Welcome to the show. My name is Damien John. This is Massage Therapy Now. Today I have with me Michael DeRoche, the founder and CEO of PainPro, a massage therapy slash healthcare clinic in Vancouver, clinics in Vancouver. Could you, Mike, tell us a little bit about PainPro? Oh, absolutely. Be glad to, Damien, and thanks for having me on. Um, PainPro actually started in 2011. Um, I came to BC actually originally in 2002 as I think the third AIT student when they used to have that program. And um, <clears throat> so I, I worked in a small clinic uh, that I owned and then started PainPro. I was 47 and just decided that I had to make a decision either uh, I will continue to be a small clinic owner or I go big or go home kind of thing. Uh, as I was looking uh-huh. uh, down the road the next 20 years. So uh, I decided to start Pain Pro in 2011 in the 693 square feet and uh, two, two clinic rooms, myself and one other person. That was in 2011? Yeah. And so prior to that, I mean, I had run the, the small clinic, uh, but now we have six clinics, uh, over 70 therapists of which is a combination between RMTs. I think we have 43 now, physios, chiros, and kinesiology. And we specialize in orthopedic pain. So as you decided to move from being a singular therapist, owning your own business, through to creating a business that now has six six clinics through the Lower Mainland, and you're still thinking of growing it, what what was the onus that brought that about? How did you come to that decision? Uh, and could you speak to some of the uh, thoughts that went on during that process in terms of risk analysis and some of the whys? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll start out with, you know, the, what I was feeling was fear. <laughs> to be totally blunt about growing to, I never honestly thought it would grow to the size that it has. One can always dream, but uh, sometimes you should always uh, be careful what you ask for. It brings mm-hmm. a different set of problems. Uh, but really the impetus, Damien, was uh, as I looked around the industry, um, I just saw that a lot of uh, RMTs were working at smaller clinics um, <clears throat> owned by RMTs who you know, naturally, as most of us are, we're, I look at us as artists and not business people. Um, good artistry involves, you know, being creative and finding solutions to problems. Uh, and so to me, those are the best RMTs, but that doesn't always translate to business. So what I found was we had a lot of small independently owned businesses that had a variety of services Um and then they all had a different level of professionalism, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I saw the industry shifting and it's, um, it's, the term is called consolidating. So essentially the, as an industry continues to grow, consolidation occurs. So all the small mom and pops start being amalgamated into larger corporate entities. And I saw that trend happening and I thought, okay, the usually the large corporations uh, hiring on RMTs usually were not RMT focused. They were more physio focused or chiro focused. So we then became more of a profit center for another modality. Right. 
And I just felt that our industry lacked a strong player that was RMT focused uh, and then made us an equal partner in the uh, healthcare of the patients. And that, what I mean by that is equal to a physio, equal to a chiro, uh, so that there is, there's no hierarchy, mm-hmm. which uh, some, as many of your listeners may uh, think that there is, uh, and there is a, 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 an assumed hierarchy there. Uh, so that was really the impetus. And I felt that uh, in order to be competitive as an industry, we needed to up our game at the clinical level, at the business level, so that we can offer the same level of services that the larger uh, competitors coming into the industry were offering, like uh, things like direct billing. Um, a lot of, like for, a, you know, we actually finance patients, uh, which is unheard of in the in- industry. Uh, we just want to get them access to treatment. So it was more about the bigger I felt that I could make the company, the more services I could offer, not only to the patients, but also to the therapists that worked with us. And uh, and I I say work with us, they actually partner with us. I, I look at it as, um, and, and as all clinic owners should, uh, that we're partnering with uh, our fellow RMTs um, because their success is our success and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the driver for me. And it was just adding in a weird way, uh, more complexity to the business model. But in doing that, we could provide uh, deeper and better services to both therapists and patients. Right. Would you, if you had to do it again, would you do it the same way? Would you recommend the same path to your past self or would you do it slightly differently as a person who may be just thinking about doing something similar and going down a, that that creating a business path. It's, it's an interesting question. Um, and I often ask myself, would I do the same thing I've just done? Uh, part of why I did what I did as well is, like, you know, and many of your listeners may identify with this, is that you get trapped as a therapist in a certain technique, I guess, because uh, when I was being trained, it was very technique driven. Yeah. Uh, so I happened to be the deep tissue guy. Uh, and so everybody I had was deep tissue. Everybody I got referred to me was deep tissue and I was just wearing my body out and I felt trapped. So, uh, in order to change my, my treatment style, I would have had to completely change my clinical approach, which I was willing to do, but I, I come from a business background Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, let's give this a try. Um, but the one thing I can say to my past self would be slow down. Uh, I went from, you know, basically 690 square, 93 square feet in 2011, and we currently have well over 17,000 square feet of clinic space and 39 clinic rooms. And it's, we grow, I mean, I've been growing at about 30 to 40% per year. Uh, And with that growth comes a pile of complexity that you have to really handle or it it seems chaotic. It, not, it doesn't seem chaotic. It uh-huh. is chaotic. Uh, the third part is, is to ensure that those, those you're serving, that being therapists and patients, uh, don't see the chaos. They, they only see smoothness. <laughs> yeah. uh, so underneath the hood is a lot of stuff going on that people aren't aware of. So, but that was caused by fast growth. It's a nice problem to have. Um, and then the, the other piece that I probably 
may have changed. Um, we, we work on what they call an accrual method. So uh, when it comes to paying uh, or compensating, and all that means is that many clinics pay on cash. So whatever comes in, they pay the therapist based on what's been collected. We pay based on what's billed. So what that means is that I'm actually financing, well, right now we're financing about a half a million dollars for our various therapists that we have in the company. So those would be the two things I'd look very hard at, slowing my growth down and really thinking about, uh, you know, the cash side of the business um, right? and and how to better manage Uh that. Yeah, when you're speaking about growing into a bigger business and all the complexities of it, it boggles my mind a little bit because coming out of school, I was a stubborn, self-actuating human being who wanted to run my own business, but really had no business acumen. I had no training in the field. I hadn't done anything educationally other than what I learned in massage school, which was very minute and not enough. And I got thrown to the wolves essentially to start my own practice. And I, looking back on it, feel like that was problematic. It, It led to many issues for me in terms of creating uh, enough work for myself to make things, uh, make a go of it. Um, and so I was curious about what your thoughts are on being a, a large business owner and having many therapists come through your doors to work with you. What would be the benefits of, of deciding to work with a bigger clinic as a new graduate or as a, a therapist who's struggling on their own versus going at it on your own? And it, do you even think it's possible for a person with a low business IQ to do that? Um, <clears throat> that's a, a, you know, a great question. Um, I think I wouldn't say people have low business IQ. I would I'd rather say acumen. Uh-huh. Well, I, I was just talking about because, myself because I felt like I had a super low business <laughs> IQ. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, offend any, any clinical because I think in a way we're all kind of crazy people because we take on so much risk to do what we do to help, you know, our, our other RMTs and other health professionals that work with us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, f- for me, it's... Um, yeah, we're gonna ha- you're gonna have to rephrase mm-hmm. that question. So, if uh, if a person, a new grad, say, let's say it's a new graduate, is searching for work, what do you, as a as a large business, offer to that individual? What what are the benefits of of working for you as a as a, a therapist? Uh, I think first and foremost, the benefits are the depth of services that can be offered. Um, like just as an example, we have a different pay structure in that we work on an accrual method. Um, we are first and foremost, I, I define pain pro as a, a marketing and education company that supplies a clinical space for healthcare prof- uh, mm-hmm. professionals. 
So I've kind of turned it upside down and saying that, you know, therapy is, is part of what we do, but really our focus is marketing and education because without new patients, um, therapists can't get busy. And without education, therapists can't improve, uh, I think, the quality of care. Uh, so we kind of, that's our focus. And so for us, it's, we can offer, we charge higher rates. We're generally higher than almost any of our competition in any of the markets that we're in by at least mm-hmm. 10%. And that, that in and of itself, we can charge premium pricing because of the services we offer to the patients. Um, so that, that is one thing. Second thing is, uh, you know, it's ease of ease of mind. I mean, everything in our back end is designed to make the lives of the therapists and the patients easy. You had mentioned something about the complexity of, you know, having a large business. And that's the biggest problem with growing in a business this size is that, you know, when we're doing seven to 8,000 treatments a month, uh, it gets pretty complex pretty fast when you've got that many transactions going on. And so what we have to do is to ensure that we have all the systems and processes that need to become just as complex to provide solutions to the complexity that's happening in the business operations. And that's probably the hardest part. But having said that, the benefit to someone coming in, whether it be another clinic owner or whether it be a therapist, is that everything is taken care of for them. And uh, a business like ours, and there are many, many Mm -hmm. clinics like ours who actually for the best interests of the therapist because they understand that the therapist is in fact a partner and not just a contractor. Um, so I would say the, the, the biggest thing too is that people have to understand that even though we are a larger company, some would call us a corporation, um, some may feel that you lose that intimacy, uh, that relationship. But the way we've tried to structure it is that Although in the back end, we're very corporate and structured in the front end. So at the clinic level, we really try to create more of a community environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's probably one of the biggest benefits of a smaller clinic is that you have different relationships. There's a different level of communication between practitioners. There's fewer layers of communication between the owner. Uh, So for example, with me, I have division leaders um, in the various modalities that we have who deal with, um, you know, the problems or concerns that the various uh, therapists may have. Right. Uh, and then it it just, and that's the part that I miss the most is when I was smaller, I, I, I knew everybody. There's times now that I have to, uh, particularly on the administrative side of the business, check the schedule to see who's working because I don't know everybody all the time. Yeah. And, and that speaks to the, one of the complexities about quality standards as, as you grow, I'm curious how you manage quality in your various clinics, because you have, you said you have 70 ish various health practitioners. How do you maintain a standard of quality with that many people working with you? Well, you have to have a standard operating procedures manual. So, you know, you have to establish some, framework uh, for how things should be occurring, Mm -hmm. Uh, understanding that everybody has a unique way of practicing, 
but most of most of how we deal with uh, the uniformity or try to create some form of uniformity is more in terms of the internal communications. We really want to leave the practitioners to deal with their patients. And they're, they're in fact, their patients, uh, uh, because I look at, they're just setting up their practice under a brand name called Pain Pro. Mm-hmm. And we're there to support that practice, whatever they want that practice to look right. like. Um, so for us, it's it's really about just having operating procedures that are uh, well-versed. Um, but having said that, uh, with the growth of a company, things change. So where we're at right now, we were okay when we were doing, you know, uh, 5,000 treatments a month because our systems could handle that. But now we're doing seven to 8,000 treatments a month. Uh, the systems break down a little bit. So you're constantly having to evolve uh-huh. the, the business. So you're always going to get these little blips of uh, what, what some would call problems. I mean, <laughs> patients get upset or we may do an error on a payroll, but we're human. Mistakes happen. Um, but when it becomes so bad that it's affecting your business in a negative way, that then becomes the problem. So it's, that's the biggest challenge for us is just ensuring that, you know, if there's open dialogue and even for me, anybody in the company can, can contact me directly. Mm-hmm. I'm not this guy up in the cloud. I'm just, I'm just an RMT who has a, a lot of leases. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that brings up something that I think is an interesting conundrum that many therapists come across in terms of uh, autonomy and uh, being their own person and, and a number of those spaces. Cause I remember this happening to me as I worked through the, the years that I worked as a therapist, I, I worked on my own. I also worked under the umbrella of, uh, other, uh, a clinic owner. And so the, the problems, the main problems that showed up for me was, were something like if I work with this person, and then I decide to shift gears and, and go somewhere else. Um, how, how do I know that I'll be able to do that and not come across a number of problems? Like we're told in school, like working, say, say you build your clients through the business and then you decide, okay, I want to go out on my own, but then you open up down the block. How do you navigate that particular problem? Because I think it's a, a reasonable uh common it's reasonably common to have that problem mm-hmm. and and i imagine you've come across it a few times um is it well exactly and and so we do have a non-competition zone i think that's what you're trying to yeah. describe uh in our contracts but i look at a contract as merely a document that informs uh how the relationship will unfold if things aren't going well in the relationship yes. Uh, so put another way, as long as there's open dialogue and communication between ourselves and a therapist, um, I, in fact, have actually helped uh, RMTs set clinics up within the non-competition right. zones. Um, I come from a place, uh, a mindset of abundance and not scarcity. I just think there's so much business out there for all of us. We can all share in it. Um, so I'm not trying to protect I think we have about 80,000 patients. I'm not trying to protect that. So if a therapist leaves, so there's a few hundred. Uh, for me, it's more about let's create an abundant industry for all of us. And if I can play a part in that, 
Um, and as long as someone's honoring me by being truthful, uh, I have no problem helping people set up across the road. I'm going through that right now with someone who, uh, you know, I'm helping them set up within the one kilometer radius that we have at their right. particular clinic. Um, so for me, the autonomy piece is that it really comes from the standpoint of the clinic owner and what their mindset is, because if they're coming from a place of scarcity, they're going to be so protective mm -hmm. of these zones uh, because they're afraid they're going to lose their business. I don't work on that level. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to work on a scarcity level, but that's that's coming from a place of fear. And that's not where I come from. So um, I'd like to think that uh, the people who have left PainPro um, have great things to say about their experience uh, in the departure of it. We give them complete access to their uh, the patient base that they, they worked with. We don't try to hold, withhold that. We give them the CSV forms, uh -huh. you know, and all the files from Jane who we use. So I think that autonomy piece really comes from the clinic owner's perspective right? and how they then, you know, how that then informs their relationship with their therapist. So would you then tell a therapist who's looking to work under a bigger umbrella to actually maybe even interview the you're in an interview as a therapist, but perhaps there should be a, a, a line of questions thrown in the direction of, of the clinic owner. Would that be a useful, a useful thing? Do you think? Well, absolutely. And I think this is where um, our industry has so much to learn because uh, in a way, I also think that students are, are, are taught in a, an environment of scarcity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know with business courses, they they don't focus on the complexities of the business. Uh, they focus, well, from what I've heard, I'm just generalizing here, but the most often talked about is the split uh, or the rental, or it's not about what services are you offering to warrant that split or that uh, rental rate, uh, or what prices are you charging? It's just, it's this magical number of 70 30 or 80 20 or whatever that number is and anything beyond that is meaningless when in fact we, we have a sliding scale but because our prices are so high even at a, a higher split uh, with us uh, if you look at a competitor down the block someone could still make more money at, uh, at, a, at our clinic and i don't want to promote our clinic uh -huh. here uh, but i think it's just something that therapists need to look at. And I agree, they should be able to talk openly with that owner and know that that owner cares about their career. Yes. Uh, because at the end of the day, their success is our success. So if it's all about the clinic owner and they're narcissistic and it's just about money, then there's there's really no relationship uh -huh. there and no potential. And for so them. run as fast as you can. <laughs> if you don't feel honored in, in the... Uh, interview process, then you're you're not going to feel honored as a contractor. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and one of, and one of my biggest beefs, I just have to add in here, is when someone, a new grad or any new hire, is asked to do a treatment. We don't ask. I don't. What I don't care what their hands. What I care about is who they are as a person. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's it's who you are that develops the therapeutic relationship. Yes. Not your hands. Your hands just define what you're doing. 
uh, it's, it's your personality that defines who you are. Yeah, well said. We, we hit a little bit on it in terms of the last few questions we've had, and it's something that you mentioned is of concern to you. And so I want to hit on it just a little bit because I think you really think about it a lot as a person who owns a big group of clinics, uh, and that's the idea of professionalism in the field. And you had mentioned that you're noticing a, a lack of it. Could you speak to that? Uh, um, yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't want to blame it on any one thing. Uh, I just think it's just been something that's been part of our industry. Um, and so the the big thing for me is uh, many people just come out of school focused on techniques, uh, be it trigger point therapy or deep tissue or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, what we do is mobilize tissue. Yep. And you can call it whatever you want to call it. You know, you can chant and maybe you're mobilizing tissue. I don't know. I think where people are lacking coming out of school is on the, the piece of uh, critical thinking based mm-hmm. on evidence. And so, you know, and then we're also being taught, at least when I was at school, I don't know how much has changed now, but we at pain pro, we, we focus on the biopsychosocial model. And so <clears throat> we're so keen on it that I don't even allow anatomy posters into the clinic rooms because then that will inform the patient that their pain is structural. Right. When in fact, evidence is showing that's not actually the case mm-hmm. in all cases. Uh, and, and more often than not, it's something else. It could be some social insecurity that they have in relationships or some psychological propensity towards uh, anxiety, depression, or any other issues sure. that can impact the pain cycle. Very complex. Yeah. And so, so to me, it's, it's getting away from this uh, model of care around techniques, it, moving towards a model of critical thinking based on evidence and the biopsychosocial model, and clearly moving away from structure uh, as, as the pain mechanism, and you know, really focusing on treatment planning. Uh, I find that a lot of young uh, therapists coming out of school uh, and I don't blame them. It's just, I think it's just a lack of confidence uh, that they, they're almost afraid to create a plan for a patient to have them come back in. So they, they then become order takers and they don't take control of the therapeutic process mm-hmm. because patients are coming for answers. And so big part of our education is, is mentorship. And so we're trying to let these new people coming into the industry understand, yes, you have the basic knowledge, and here's how you can apply it and create a better practice for yourself and better outcomes for your patients. And really, to me, that's around treatment planning. Right. So with this lack of professionalism, is there a particular counterbalance you can see to facilitate it becoming better? Uh, yeah, just start thinking critically. Mm-hmm. Um, just education, 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 education. And it's not about educating yourself on the newest technique out there. Um, I, one of my, you know, if, if anybody who does a lot of work in research understands that the placebo effect in many cases is as powerful as the actual control uh, that they're looking at. And so, and I, and I often describe this to, to new therapists coming out of school is that uh, it's your 
therapeutic relationship, that relationship being trust, which is the underpinning to me of a therapeutic relationship. It's that trust and belief that that patient will have that what you're doing, regardless of what technique you want to call it, it's their belief that what you're doing is going to help them. And that's what's going to help. Uh So I'm a new therapist coming out of school, say, and I come up to you and say, Mike, I feel like I'm lacking in this particular space what's my first step where do i go initially what would be your recommendation for me in 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 order for me to grow in this this particular place do you have recommendations uh well it's like anything you know it's like even myself in business i have mentors i have coaches um i pay a lot of money for them because i don't know everything Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the same applies to new therapists or even existing therapists. Find someone who's smarter than you are or you think is smarter than you are. Uh, and, you know, ask, you know, create a dialogue with someone who's been in the industry for 10 years. There's lots to learn mm-hmm. from people like that um, because they've been usually trained under the same system, but then learned through actual hands-on uh, interaction with people that, uh, there's different ways to do things. And so we actually have a mentorship program. So for us, we have a, I have an RMT who's a division leader. Uh, we have educational programs. So we're actually, we actually have a, um, an education night tonight at one of our downtown clinics and it's free for everybody in the company. And we teach them all kinds of different right. things around uh, critical thinking, uh, various research that's out there. Um, you know, we do have, uh, I don't, I think you knew this, but uh, Bodie Harrelson, who is the former research chair for the RMTBC, uh, is our education uh-huh. uh, director and leader for the company. So we're very big on educating people as best we can. But for those who are not in a clinic environment uh, that has that level of expertise, um, just seek out those who, um, you know, who maybe have a little more experience and can shine a light and ask lots of people. There's no best one way to do anything. Um, every patient you're going to see is going to be unique and they're going to respond differently. So the more input you have, the better critical thinking you can do to find the solutions that are needed for that individual that you're uh-huh. treating. Great advice. I would say that's a, a really good starting point. It would be useful to have that plugged a lot more I, I think especially if you're new but i think too Damien, i'm sorry, sorry for interjecting but the rmtbc i believe also has a mentorship program mm-hmm. so they will uh, connect you with uh senior therapists who then can help you through some of the challenges that you're facing yeah just make use of it would be my advice because i was one of those stubborn i think i can figure this all out on my own and it really slows down your growth i believe it it uh, it it's a hindrance to oneself to not seek out help and ask questions. And with things like pain bros mentorship program and the RMTBC's mentorship program, and there's probably others out there, there's these available resources for people to grow faster. And it would be with well, uh, it would do you well as an individual, or it would have done me well. Anyways, I can't speak for anybody else to, uh, have taken, active part in in those processes and i i probably would have not had to struggle as much with some of the the things that i struggled with for sure well one of the things that we have is one of our corporate values is be open-minded mm-hmm. and 
that reference is uh, about being humble and understanding that you don't know everything. And it's okay to ask and it's okay to tell your patient that, you know what, I don't know how to deal with this, so I'm going to have to refer you off. It's probably even more than okay. It's it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I, I just personally believe that to question oneself is the best starting point for anything mm-hmm. uh, because then you can get some honest answers and uh, and understand that, you know what, there's a lot to learn from others, the patients included. Totally. Uh it sounds like you do a lot to help foster a good relationship between therapist and clinic owner. And you mentioned this before uh, we started the interview that there is a real us versus them mentality. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit just so that people understand from a clinic owner's perspective, what that may look like? Yeah. Well, and I don't necessarily uh, when we, when I communicated that to you, it, it's not so much uh, internally, even at our company, it's just a general tone. Right. Uh, and I think it's pervasive in any industry where one uh, is, is a contractor whose income is tied to, you know, the clinic, but the clinic's income is also tied to the therapist. And when I say the us versus them, when you, when I go onto the RMT website, uh, or Facebook site, uh, much of the conversation is around, um, you know, clinic owners being frustrated with contractors or contractors being frustrated with clinic owners. And it's around money and it's, it's around the scarcity mindset. Like, you know, I, they won't give me my patient uh, list or uh, whatever it may be. And for, for me, uh, I don't know where th- that mindset just comes from a place of scarcity. When one believes that there is so much out there for all of us, then one will never question and worry about that, you know, uh, that, you know, that extra 3% that you're paying for your, your split is the end of the world. Uh, for me, it's, you really have to dig into what, what is the risk that clinic owners take? Cause they take huge risks. I'll give you an example. Uh, I have, signed leases. Now, when you sign a lease, that's like a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so I signed 10-year leases. So I have over $5 million worth of leases that I'm responsible for if my business goes under. Uh, now, I'm at the extreme end. If you look at smaller clinics, they still have their own risk in their own clinic. So they, you know, they need to be compensated for that. But then, you know, what level of services is a therapist paying for? And, you know, obviously a 60-40 split and you're getting no services is seemingly unfair. Uh, So I think it's really just around understanding the needs uh, from a clinic owner's point of view. You have to understand the needs of the therapist and your own local market. And for the therapist, they just have to open up. uh, We both have to be open, uh, but the the therapists need to be open to all of the risks and other variables uh, that go into running a business. It's just not about opening the door and having a computer and a merchant machine. There's a lot of work that clinic owners do and, you know, and most of them are still practicing. Uh, so they've got double stress. Right. So I think just understanding each other and what each of our needs are and what each of our fears are and what each of our risks are, um, there's, th- it's, there's even risks for therapists 
as well because they put their heart and soul into creating a patient base. Then all of a sudden they want to go and venture on their own, but now they have to start all over again. Yet if they had a clinic owner who would say, hey, you know what? No problem. Let me let me help you set up. Uh, and now we have a community, an industry that's based on community, working for each other, uh, building our industry up. I mean, you know, our competition is not each other. Our competition is, you know, uh, anybody else who is seeking to uh, treat the same types of uh, dysfunctions that we right. do, that being studio, that being Cairo. Uh, but there are times that they have things that they do better than us. And, and there's other times we have things that we do better than them. Uh, but again, it just comes back to being open, being humble, uh, not living a place of scarcity and working to help one another. Right. It strikes me that a lot of what we've been talking about this morning has been around quality of communication, the ability to listen and to voice what is going on for you as an individual, whether you're the clinic owner or the therapist. Uh, it's very useful to approach the person as a human being and to have a conversation around the, the potential issues or problems or awesome things that are going on and to not come at it, like you say, from a scarcity perspective or from being too scared to voice your opinion or feeling like you, maybe if you're coming from the therapist perspective, are coming from a place of less power because that's your job on the line. Like, would you recommend therapists to generally uh, speak what's up for them so that it's uh, you as a clinic owner have an ability to to deal with it in a in a human way versus find out about it some some other way through the grapevine yeah no I, 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 I think open and transparent communication is the basis for any human interaction so anybody out there listening that's in a relationship, uh, they understand that the strength of that relationship is dependent on how open you can communicate when things aren't going well. It's easy when things are going well. That's yeah. where, you know, it's easy. Peasy. It's when challenges arise in any aspect of our life. Uh, one can internalize it and try to figure it out. But it, it, for any of those out there who have tried to do that, you can get into a world of crazy in your own mind, not knowing where the other person is coming from and what their perspective is, and being accepting of their perspective. And I think that needs to be uh, a part of what we do in, in our practices, both as a clinic owner as, and as a clinician. Um, and so for me, I'm actually, I promote the fact, and I don't care how hard the conversation is uh, for both either myself or for them, but to me, the biggest honor that's ever given to me is that when someone's not happy, they come to me first because at least they give me an opportunity to think about it mm -hmm. and make a change um, if that's what's required. Uh, it is far worse when, um, you know, they've made their decision up without any and then all of a sudden I'm blindsided and I don't know why or what was bothering them. And now I don't have an opportunity to yeah. make it better. Uh, so, and I think if people felt safe, and I think that's a big thing, and I don't, uh, different clinics obviously have different levels of communication safety, um, but we, I certainly try to promote that. I, are we perfect? Probably not. 
but at least it's a it's nice. a focus of ours. I think we've hit on lots of good stuff, Mike. I wanted to ask you uh, about Pain Pros growing still, and is there anything in the near future uh, that's exciting or interesting coming up? That's are, are you slowing down at all? <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I, I have slowed down uh, only because I, I had quadruple bypass. So anybody listening that's, uh, oh that stress can give you that. Um, yeah. that, so that is one definite thing that slowed me down. But for me, uh, I've just slowed down more from the fact that, uh, as my wife jokingly says, she says, just slow down and let the business catch up to you because, uh, as a CEO of a company, my, my job is to look at things from 30,000 feet up to see where the landscape is and where I want to take it. Um, I've stopped doing that now because I need to focus internally on the structures and systems within the company so that I can scale, or in other words, grow uh, to that next level. So we are, uh, we are a, um, a trademark brand, both in Canada and United States. Uh, we do have numerous uh, private equity companies always approaching us because they want to take us national. Um, but at this point, I'm happy with six clinics. Um, I just want to make it mm-hmm. the systems better uh, because, you know, we are having some challenges and, and you know, when errors occur, it affects people. So I want to make sure that we're as much error free as I can get us and then start moving to expand again. Um, but yeah, expansion definitely within, I would say within the next 12 to 18 months, I'll probably start going into that process again. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was wondering, would it be, if, if somebody wants, if say a therapist wants to contact you or a client, I I assume all of your information is easily found online. I believe so. Um, I mean, I can give it to you now if they want to reach out to me personally, it's just Michael at painproclinics.com. Okay. Mike sounds, I mean, even in this brief instance, and I've met him and talked with him on numerous occasions over the years, he's got lots of really thoughtful ideas about the profession. And it sounds like he's in it for the long haul, which is uh, always an interesting conversation. If you if you want to hit some of the old dogs, uh, you got to go to some of the uh, different things that are put on. Uh, by the RMTBC where all of these hundreds of RMTs come and, and then you can pick their brains and have a nice dinner with them and uh, have some really interesting conversations. I want to say thank you, Mike, for spending this morning with me and sending us all sorts of really interesting, thoughtful uh, information about uh, massage therapy from the perspective of business. I've found it really eye-opening and there's lots of things that I wouldn't have thought of as a person who worked in the industry almost exclusively singularly. And uh, uh, so I appreciate, I appreciate that. Oh, Damien, I, I appreciate being on here. And I, the last, the last thing I just like to say is that, you know, uh, business is, is, has, is about numbers, but more importantly, business is about people and relationships and the, the more clinics and clinic owners that move in that direction, uh, the better environment we're all going to be working in. 
that's the end of our interview mike deroche from pain pro clinics thank you so much until next time faithful audience and listeners this is damien john signing off have a good day